and to a new episode of this show. The new year. We're, we've been ringing it in. We've been ringing it in for the whole week. 2023. Welcome to 2023. Yeah, yeah. And this show is the show which is about critical thinking. It is, it is. And you may have found it on SoundCloud, which leads me to wonder, did this show age well? Yes. We will, we will look back and wonder. Yeah, the nice thing about this show is even though we're going to be thinking about fresh starts and resilience and new ways to practice self-care in the year and think through your choices, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can do this any time of year. Oh, yeah. The critical thinking tools, wherever they come from, if they're really useful, are probably going to be the kinds of tools that you can use anytime and for anything. That's right. This show, Critical Thinking for Everyone. Critical Thinking for Everyone. For what did I say? Yeah, I was just. Oh, I was just echoing you. <laughs> I'm Brian, and I interrupt. Brian. I am. I, that's my superpower. Like every man I've heard. <laughs> Isn't that the joke? I'm glad you can laugh or the about truth. that. I'm glad you can laugh about it. I've already done it four times. So what can I say? <laughs> and I'm Patty Payette. I'm the co-host of the show. And she's the baker. I am the baker, and I baked something new. You baked a lovely bunt. Mini bunt. Mini Mini bunt. Mm. Mini bunt. It's really, I think it turned out pretty well. It's got a nice icing. Yeah, good. I'm glad you like it, because the first icing I tried was a royal fail. Oh. So, that's not the name of it. Royal (laughs) fail is what happened. I think I've had that And so, I, I did it up differently, and it worked out great. I think it worked out great. Well, I hope you like this show. Uh It turns out great. I have no question I'm going to like it. There's no doubt at all. So, Brian and I, every single week, mostly every single week, we like to bring some new fodder for listeners to think about uh, their life in new ways, to think about their thinking with new tools. Yeah, and we use this term critical thinking for it. It's a new year, and I wondered if a thing that we might do is reestablish our particular um, interests, maybe, or experience that might make a listener uh, care about what we had to say about critical thinking, like maybe we... You mean like flash your credentials? Just for a second. I mean, we don't have to be crazy about it, but why... I mean, if somebody asked you, why do we listen to you about critical thinking, Patty? I would say because I have been thinking about and working with and teaching others about critical thinking for over a decade, and I got some good ideas, maybe. Oh, okay. Okay. What would you say? What would I say? I would say um, I've done a lot of work with um, these ideas, and I have a good sense of what makes good ideas in critical thinking distinctive from bad ideas okay you have done a lot of trial and error in your teaching of critical thinking well I mean there's a whole lot of um, in the way that I approach it there's a lot of opportunity for conversation and so people uh, don't always agree and so I feel like a lot of the stuff's been tested in the world of hard knocks I myself was allowed um, aggressive young person and if I found ideas I didn't like then I uh, I asked lots of questions in some very uncomfortable ways usually so um, 
you know, the ideas that I have, I like to think, have been tested. But what's interesting is, this is something I heard about the other day, it's an interesting idea you might enjoy and our listeners might enjoy. What if we try to think about an idea that we have right now? Okay, so you can try to do this, Patty, and you can you folks can try to do this wherever mm-hmm. you're listening. What if we try to think about an idea that we're carrying around right now that we're using that we know is wrong? Can you identify one? An idea that I'm using that I know is wrong? Yeah, you know you know it's going to produce a bad outcome or you know it's the wrong idea for this. Um, but you're you continue to use it anyway. Oh, okay. Um Okay. Like I don't mean wrong, like morally wrong. I mean you like just mean like incorrect. doesn't right that it, an idea that maybe I know is doesn't really suit, but I hold on to it. Yeah, what? But I mean, it's not that it just that it doesn't really suit. It actually produces oh, something like effect. the bad outcomes. Like it produces yeah. things you don't want. Right. Right. Well, and I think the the person I can't remember the person I was I was um, hearing talking about this the other day, but it's it. They suggested that none of us know what any of those are. Like we are carrying around these incorrect understandings of the world and of situations and bad inferences, but we don't think that we have any of those, right? Yeah, right. Because we're egocentric creatures. We like to think we have things figured out. Well, especially just in the day-to-day, right? So like... You know, coming up the steps here to the studio, nobody's thinking about, how do I do this? You just walk in, you open a door, yeah. you walk up some stairs, you open a door. Like, it's yeah. it's not, you're not sitting around going, yeah, I'm probably not going to get this right. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. if, if, right. if you're on the stairs, you think that you're doing great on the stairs, but yet people still make mistakes okay. on the stairs and, 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 you know, misjudge, you know, lots of things there. And we could do that in our daily life if we're not thinking about it. It's an interesting question when we talk about one of the features of critical thinking that we're interested in, which is thinking about your thinking. Right. Right? And so if I'm thinking about my thinking, one of the things that I I might find there are incorrect ideas. Right. And for a lot of people, they don't those incorrect ideas don't surface until they get caught up in an assumption till a big mistake happens right. until someone corrects them right. until so <coughs> excuse me what critical thinking what we'd like to do is cultivate practices where we can catch errors in our thinking before, right before we get too far off track right so. that's definitely one of the things because yeah. we have I mean I think that you and I share an assumption here which is that um, there is value in thinking something through before you do it. Yeah, right. Like there's there's going to be something there that's going to be useful. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. What is it we're going to think through today together? Well, today we're going to think through a couple of concepts. Okay. And so here's what I'm thinking. As I started thinking about the show and I started thinking about New Year's and resolutions, you and I have done a show on resolutions in the past, so I didn't want to rehash, you know, the research on resolutions. 
And I, to be honest, I'm finding the whole concept of adopting a resolution or a new way of doing something this year to be a little exhausting. Like, I'm not really highly motivated to do something totally new and different this year. Well, hold so, on a second. Is yeah. it a requirement that we do a resolution? Is that something No, like it's not required, but there's, I feel like there's so much chatter in in the world at large about a fresh start and, you know, creative resolutions. So, so I don't, uh, right, you and I in the past have sometimes said, oh, this is what we're going to do differently this year, right? Sure, right? Like we've, you know... So this year, I wanted to take kind of a counterintuitive approach. So I, I was doing some research for another project, and I came across this concept of burnout resilience. Okay. So I want to talk about that because I feel like a lot of us are, are feeling some level of burnout, maybe in jobs or just with COVID or, you know, whatever burnout people might be experiencing. Sure. There's this concept called burnout resilience and things that you can do to bounce back if you're feeling a little burnout. So I wanted to talk about that as a way to focus less on, hey, everyone out there, you should be adding more things to your to-do list and instead take more of an approach to what should I stop doing or what could I, what self-care could I administer to myself instead of constant self-improvement? Hmm. And as I was doing hmm. a little more research, I came across this concept of seven types of rest, like different forms of rest okay. that you can experience or you can put into your life. And I really liked the seven types of rest. In fact, as I'm launching my sabbatical, I'm going to think about being intentional about all seven types of rest. So I want to, I want to talk about the, <laughs> the different types. And because some people listening might be like, oh, yeah, I'm really good at like taking a mental break from work. But maybe I'm not good at taking an emotional break. Okay. Right? Uh -huh, like, uh -huh. like there's different types of rest. Uh -huh. And so in the spirit of thinking of your fresh new year, as a way to take care of yourself, sure. not by saying you need to, you know, count calories or go to the gym, but rather there's other ways of self-care. So I'm thinking about R and R, resilience and rest, and I want to talk about those today and help people think through how they can put more of those in their life. So did you choose this? Um this kind of topic because you were trying to get away from the idea of making resolutions? No, I came across this topic because I'm working on another project mm -hmm. that led me to it. And okay. I said, oh, this would make a really good show topic Okay, okay in talking cool. about R&R. &R. Excellent, and excellent. Instead of the R of resolution, we talk about resilience and rest. Okay. That's a lot of R's. That's <laughs> So if, if you get confused and you need to go back over any of this again, remember we are on SoundCloud on the Forward Radio channel on SoundCloud. It's free to sign up for SoundCloud, um, and you can get all of the episodes available for download of Critical Thinking for Everyone. We're getting really close to 200 episodes, um, this dynamic co-host and me uh, working on this show now for um, G. Is it going on five since, years? Since October of 2017. There you go, right? So, but who's uh, a little after five years. So, yeah, somebody counted. Yeah. Somebody counted. Somebody so, counted. So, check us out on SoundCloud. Um, and then also, of course, if you like this kind of stuff that we're doing and if you like the kind of conversation that we're having, 
please uh, go to forwardradio.org. You can find the donate tab there. You can also find information about how to donate your time or your talent. You can get involved. You can host your own um, radio show. Yes, we are looking for for folks out there who believe in the mission, the social justice mission of Forward Radio and might want to do a show, maybe weekly, biweekly, yeah. whatever. So, yeah, absolutely. so yeah, you can also find us on Facebook under Critical Thinking for Everyone. We have not been as active on Facebook as usually, but yeah. we can try to get back into it. But I really appreciate so. the good folks who try to engage us on Facebook occasionally. I do Like too. your cousin Sharon. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah, shout out to Sharon. Okay, so let me start off. I want to start off by talking about burnout. So, Brian, you are somebody who might be familiar with this concept, either <laughs> either intellectually or personally. Yeah. Um, okay. I could talk about burnout the way you would talk about snow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's start with what are some of the signs that the experts say you a person would experience if they're that they would fall under the term of maybe experiencing burnout like what what does it look like okay there are so, so many things I think okay well just try to I just want to start rather than me sort of going off the research I want to start with your what do you understand is what would be some of the things that okay. somebody would experience if they're get, having burnout about be, yeah go in ahead. their life in their life some way well and I wonder before I do that where's yes. our research coming from Good question. Okay. It's coming from... The internet, ladies and gentlemen. It's coming from the World Health Organization. Oh, world. As cited in a book by a woman called Rebecca Pope Rourke. Okay. R-U-A-R-K is the second name, or the third name, Rebecca Pope Rourke. She wrote a book called Overcoming Faculty Burnout. It Mm. came out in 2022, very recent book. Okay. And she's a faculty member who experienced burnout and then wrote... It's kind of a memoir slash... You know, non nonfiction book about how faculty burnout. So while we're talking, to, while she talked about it in terms of faculty, like we can talk about it in some of the research of what mm. you can do to to recover, whether you're a faculty member or not. And you think it's so. applicable to anybody? Well, well the the strategies mm-hmm. and some of the questions she has, I've mm-hmm. reframed so that okay. they're ap- applicable across different types of people, Neat. not just faculty. So. Neat. What do you think the World Health Organization says some are the are some of the um, signs of burnout? Well, I think um, you change the way you look. Um, I wow, <laughs> wasn't on the list. Not okay, on the list, huh? uh, no, I think that's something that can happen. Okay, um, I think things that people were once putting a lot of uh, care into those things start to become less. Um, uh, sort of less meticulous, and I think that yes. um, you know appearance is among those things. I get it. Right? I get you. Okay. Um, and it's not just you know sort of physical appearance, but also the the overall comportment, also the um, the way that you speak with others and the way that you interact with others can change um, as you're going into burnout. Um, the products um, and the work processes can start to lose quality or maybe lack attention. Uh, people can appear tired. Mm, okay. Um, 
health health matters can cry. I don't know. Okay. I think there are a lot of general things that somebody might put on a list. But Okay, that's a good starting list. <coughs> this is what the World Health Organization says. The World Health Organization, um, ladies and gentlemen. Some of them that they list are some emotional and physical exhaustion. Okay. Okay. Um, maybe you start to dread work that you used to really enjoy. Okay, okay. Um, maybe your work that used to feel really fulfilling feels a little empty. Okay. You know, don't get the same kind of energy from it. All right, all right. Um, isolation and impatience. You know, I feel kind of isolated and impatient with other people. Okay. Um, apathy. Sure. You don't, you know, kind of care uh -huh. as much. Uh, you don't sure. have as much energy. Maybe a sense of failure, oh, like man. you just kind of given up a little bit. Okay. So, so these are some sign, common signs of burnout. So if people, if you're feeling, especially in this world where COVID has really pushed people to some extremes in their lives, and maybe they've experienced one or more of these signs of burnout, mm. you're not alone. Say that. So. The World Health Organization is is noticing you. Yeah, and it was really interesting, of course, because one of the populations that experienced this a lot was um, frontline workers and healthcare professionals. Sure. You know who were caring um, right. for long, long hours, and and burnouts can can really be demoralizing and dangerous. So sure. So what Rebecca Pope Rourke did was she got help. First of all, she got help for herself okay. to deal with burnout, and then she started to put together some strategies, which she calls burnout resilience. Okay. When you're experiencing that, what can you do? Okay. So she has organized this by four kind of pillars, and then underneath each pillar, there are some questions that you can use, anyone can use to kind of to to click in and okay. to reflect and maybe step back and try to get a little back there's some of their resilience okay, okay sure. so the four pillars are rearticulating your purpose okay practicing compassion seeking connection and striving for balance okay are you rearticulating your purpose to yourself well we're going to talk about each one so mm. hold your hold hold your hold your questions <laughs> so that's a good question. All right. However. However. <laughs> so when you rearticulate your purpose. So 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 rearticulating your purpose. So when you're experiencing burnout, anxiety, stress, it's easy to forget, and especially if this is the frame for her is like in your work. Okay, that's that's her common go to that people are experiencing experiencing it. Um, so many times we forget the why underneath that gives us the energy and purpose for doing our work, right? So whether it's a, someone in healthcare who likes helping people, someone's a teacher who likes teaching students. So she says, what you wanna do is you wanna articulate your why and align it with your core values and purpose, like re-articulate re and realign. So to your question, should you do this to yourself or you do this with others e either, Okay, but start with asking yourself. So start with yourself. What are your core professional values and how can you enact them right now? Like in the situation that you're in, wherever you are. Like start with your values. Like um, that's... Do you, have, that, do you have professional values, Patty? Yes. Like that are defined by you? Yeah. 
Can you yeah. can you share with us an example uh, one or of two? Them, uh, one of them would be I in the work I do when I work at the university. I'm really interested in making decisions based on what the research has told us is effective for okay. for teaching or for higher education. And so one of my values is not that we reinvent the wheel, not that we make something up when we're sitting in a conference room and it sounds good, but that we've actually grounded this in research or best practices that have been developed in our field. So we're not yeah. just the way you wouldn't necessarily want a doctor, a medical doctor, to just say, you know what, let's just treat you this way because you know what, that's an inexpensive medicine. You would want your healthcare professional to have sound research-based reasons while they're recommending a treatment. Oh, and yeah. so that that's pretty important to me. And sometimes <clears throat> people don't like, sometimes that, sometimes, sometimes people don't like slowing down and having to like consult with the research. Ooh, I, feel like, I feel like she's speaking to me directly, <laughs> especially since she's speaking to me directly. I am not speaking to you directly. Well, I, I'll, I'll give a piece of feedback on that. That's very interesting that you point that out because I would say that that is uh, something that's characteristic of all of the professional interactions that I've had with you. And what's very interesting about that is that a lot of times the people in the room are just wicked smart. <laughs> It's just a whole room full of super smart people here to figure something out. And sometimes what we get to in this meeting, not wrongly, but what we get to is everybody needs to go look at some research. And everybody's like, oh, but we were going to just do it all right here with our, with our big brains. And so sometimes it seems like, um, it seems like the, the research does slow things down but it's always for the better to go and look at it and I think that that's a really cool professional value to have because I mean in a lot of places we definitely just rely on okay we're here with you know Ed and Steve and Jim and we're just going to do it I noticed you said all men I know you, you really I know you I did that rely, you rely on that men to inform your thinking well I was just thinking of the status quo <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me ask you another question about rearticulating purpose, and I want you to get, answer this from your point of view. If you're, sure. especially as we're going into a new semester, and you might be feeling a tiny bit of, of burnout, and you could maybe use a little resilience. Oh man, rearticulate that. Okay, purpose. ready? Yeah, no, sure. no, no, no. That's not oh, the question. This okay. is a variation. Okay. Why do you do what you do, and how can you call upon that purpose now? So, Brian, you are, among other things, a teacher, hmm. professor. Mm -hmm. Why do you do what you do, and how can you call upon that why and that purpose now to help you now as you start a new semester? So, I, I do it for the Benjamins. Oh it's my about gosh. education to me is nothing but mad stacks. <laughs> wow, well, then you, you picked the wrong field, young man. It just takes a lot of hustle. I really love when people have insights. And a lot of that gets missed for me. And I found out one, I actually have a strategy to deal with some of that. Some of the structure of the classroom, it relies, even especially if you're sort of doing an open-ended Socratic engagement, which I, I like to do a lot. Yes, right? you do. <clears throat> one of the problems is if you don't have everybody in the class rotating into those roles, then a lot of 
a lot of insights that people might have are really not available, right? Because it's the same six people right. all the time. Right. And so um, I was requiring people to do a little bit of writing every week, but very little would happen with that other than, you know, they did the writing and it was either satisfactory or not. It was, it was about topics in the class. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to, this semester, I'm going to bring that writing into the class and it's like it's on the syllabus that this will right. happen so I hope everybody's comfortable with it but um, we can discuss I'm gonna bring it in and, and it'll be the basis of conversation instead of just sort of an exchange with me and so that yeah. way people can still write it but then we can and they don't have to necessarily identify themselves or whatever it's gonna you know we'll see what works and what doesn't but okay um, but the insights that people have when they write about the stuff are often quite nice they just don't make it into the classroom. So okay. what I'm trying to do now is get those to pop up in a relatively... Um, like low stakes way? Lo yeah, low stakes, but also um, kind of easily available to everyone. You mm -hmm. know, like everybody wrote something. Right. Right. So, and everybody could react. You know, because everybody, everybody wrote something, everybody could react to other people's things. And so okay. I'm hoping that this will spread those insights around the room. Because every semester, you know, it's it's... If you don't get everybody really engaged, and since COVID, it's been a little challenging yeah. to get the same kinds of engagement going in the classroom on a broad scale. So for, you know, 20 to 50%, yeah, yeah, okay, but the rest of them, eh, really no. And so I'm going to try to get mm. those insights spread around the room because that's what I really love. Okay, so I really like that example <clears throat> that your instructional decisions are focused on trying to maximize what you really want more of and why you really love um, philosophy and teaching philosophy and getting those insights and those aha moments. So, All the design decisions so, go okay. back to that. All right. Yeah. So you can take a Sharpie and the ceiling above your bed, write <laughs> a message about that or a, a shorthand something or something, a, a, a image or something so you wake up in the morning and you see it and you go oh that's my why today and uh -huh. it keeps it front and center okay um really okay. is that is that is, is that i kind of say that tongue-in-cheek but um but yeah. remembering your why because yeah. what i found sometimes with work is i get up and i feel like i'm jumping on the hamster wheel yeah and so kind of remembering why the wheel is there why yeah. the why is yeah. really important absolutely so um another question you can ask yourself is what do you value most about your work mm -hmm. why do you find that meaningful how might you continue to embody those values so so one of the pillars is about going down to the why getting the getting unearthing that motivation and that can help with burnout because that's a wellspring supposed to be a wellspring your inner mo motives and values supposed yeah. to be a wellspring yeah. so but of course if you examine that there's especially if you're experiencing some burnout it might really mean that there's some dissonance between what really you know excites you about the work and the ability to get that with this work right and that might lead you to another question which is well maybe i need a change of yeah. venue so yeah. so let the but questions then what about lead your you. hamster okay well let's move on to the second <laughs> well, pillar the hamster all right we're going to move on to the second pillar which is practicing compassion all right so, the, all the stakeholders patty mm-hmm Compassion is a capacity to concentrate with 
to constant, I'm sorry, let me start over. Compassion is a capacity to commiserate with others and feel called to ease their distress. Mm. So one of the things during COVID is sometimes we experience burnout because there was, well, there were suffering and people struggling all around us. Sure. And it can feel, that's where you can start to feel empty or have compassion fatigue. So here are some of the things that you can do. You can do whether you're an instructor or whether in a case of with students, you can do this. Or if you, maybe you deal with clients or other people. And so one of the things you can do is think about how do you show up for your students or your clients or mm. the people you work with? How can you offer them maybe a, um, some emotional support? Even if you just say to them, look, I know this is unfamiliar content, or I know you know, some of you are still dealing with the remnants of COVID, or I know, right? Like just even bringing it up into the classroom, normalizing mm. can be a way to demonstrate compassion. And one of the things you want to balance is creating the environment <clears throat> that validates maybe people's emotional states, but also still helps them connect with what you're trying to do. So it's that, it's kind of trying to find, it's not thinking like one scholar said, don't think of your students as brains on sticks. <laughs> you know, sure. they're whole people. Sure. And so how can you, what can you do or say to help address the whole person without spending all of your time being compassionate, but but just owning, noting, noting it. Yeah. And, and um, maybe giving people a little bit of grace. And that's, and including your, your, um, yourself too. Hmm. Yeah, this, it's very difficult, I think, for people to do that, you know, in both cases. Um, yeah. But we should be practicing it, I think, for sure. Yeah. And there are lots of, you know, lots of different ways to get in, you know, to that. When, in critical thinking, we talk about intellectual empathy. Mm-hmm. And that's a non-emotional way to uh, replicate the thinking of others in yourself, thereby understanding that thinking better. And I think that that, that leads to a better understanding, which can um, you know, provide compassion. That's a good point. That's a really good point. So, Brian, your suggestion about intellectual empathy, so somebody could just repeat back what they hear someone else saying. Sure as a way to, to validate and, and get clear about what that person is saying, even if they don't have to agree with it or fix it, they can hear it, acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really nice little move that people can do. Can I sum up what this person is saying and, and feed it back to them in an accurate way to mm-hmm. show them I'm, I'm act. So even active listening is a, is active compassion. Oh yeah, that is an important one. So the third pillar, I want to talk about that one because that, that's kind of an extension, I think, of compassion a bit, which is seek out connection. Okay. So sometimes when people feel burned out, what they want to do is they want to retreat. <clears throat> they want to isolate themselves. They don't maybe have the energy for socializing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one of the things you can do and, and help deal with burnout and show resilience is try to connect with other people even if it requires you to model emotional humility or intellectual humility which means maybe you have to even just say wow I'm really 
I'm really struggling this week with with feelings of you know um, coming back from the hot. Let's say you're coming back from the hot. You know, sure. I'm struggling kind of getting back up into gear. Sure. But you know, you so you can you can sort of connect with people by sharing a little bit what's going on with you, inviting them to share with you. You don't. It doesn't all have to be polished perfection. That's mm. not what we're going for. Mm. But but authenticity. Authenticity. Authenticity in our thinking and authenticity in our understanding of other people's thinking. Yeah. And when you show up and you connect with your colleagues, it may be the, what you want to do is focus not just on the what you're doing together, but kind of share and support each other a little bit. Like, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, that does make for a lot, a lot better dynamics generally, but maybe supporting other people in the workplace is important for its own sake. Right, maybe yes. outside of that uh, practical functionality matter. Yes, and a lot of times with um, working online or moving our work online, we we lose some of that human connection or mm. that a moment to to talk with someone, you know, in the hallway or sure. Sure. informally. That was kind of that social lubricant for work. Oh yeah. Goals. Yeah, yeah. So it's counterintuitive sometimes again with burnout you want to you want to pull back but mm. the idea is that you seek connection. So. Yeah, and you know just and another idea too it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with maybe um, not value maybe not always valuing other thinkers um, and the contributions that they might have, you know, sometimes I really do my best thinking in a group. Sometimes that Really? Well, I think oh. any, any of us. I think yeah. so, sometimes we would do our best thinking because we have the right kinds of interactions going on there to really drive the thinking forward. It's hard to replicate that, but when we work with teams and we work with people who we get, you know, accomplish important intellectual goals, we often want to do that again, right? And we also often want to try to, you know, improve those relationships, maybe like you and I have been doing, right? And what this what this does is provide intellectual connection that makes the thinking better as opposed to, I mean, not a, as opposed to, but sort of separately from all of the dynamics socially that yeah. you're talking about. Like right. just, I mean, almost like a think tank. Yeah, right? in fact, that's one of their, her suggestions is to maybe seek out folks to talk about intellectual ideas or questions or things you're interested in that aren't necessarily like a work task but mm -hmm. maybe there's there's a bigger I was reading about a survey about faculty and in, in burnout this is a separate thing I was reading and they said even with with signs of burnout 75% of them said they still find the work in general to be meaningful and they care about it and they're passionate. So even if the, the, the duties itself may be weighing them down, the work, the commitment to the bigger picture mm. is still engaging them. Mm. So, mm -hmm. so try to find maybe there's another level on which you might connect with your colleagues about these bigger questions. Sure. Well, and it might, it might also be something like if people get together already, if there's already an atmosphere of making connections, maybe even informally after work or something like that, is there a way to create space for intellectual engagement? Yes. You know, right. we talked about, and of course you've 
developed faculty learning communities over the years, mm -hmm. right? But this could, you know, a lot of times in an organization of, of any type, uh, there will be groups of employees who decide that an issue is important and they'll start meeting informally and then maybe in a more formal way during company time to work on making necessary changes or moving things forward in these, you know, ways that address the culture of the place, you know, critical thinking or whatever you might think of as better thinking or ways to improve thinking in our workplace generally could be one of those topics, but it's so rare, you know, but that, yeah. that would be a way to connect. Yeah, that is, that is, that's a great example. That's a great example that, that doesn't need to be, you don't have to be in higher education. You could be anywhere and have that, come, well, those kinds of conversations. Yeah, yeah, and what I was thinking of was, you know, when, it, it, well, you, one of the things you were saying just a minute ago reminded me of it, that in those communities, in my experience, sometimes people clash and they don't really even necessarily like what they're doing that day, like the work that's happening that day, but th this overall commitment to that idea. The mission, right, the or mission, the mission, right? Like, right. like you were talking yeah. about, that could move things forward. And so if a group can be developed, a lot of times people, you know, will be there for the sake of participating in the group. Right, right, that's a, that's a, nice, that's a nice way to think about where those conversations can come from and how they can serve people. Sure. Um, well, let's talk about the last pillar because I want to make sure we talk about rest, the different seven types of rest. We That's have seven rests coming yeah. after this fourth okay, pillar. Okay, so the fourth pillar of resilience burnout is striving for balance. And I know that sounds, you know, maybe cliche, but I liked her suggestions about how you create more balance in your life so that work doesn't you know, um, take over too much of your life. Sure. Or more than it should. Sure. So one of the suggestions she said is, you may have heard this before, is making sure that you are doing activities that fill you up and not just deplete you. And, Absolutely. You know, yeah. so whether it's exercise or hanging out with your pet, or for me, I love, you know, I love cooking and baking and reading and gardening, whatever it is. Um, make sure that you are taking time for those activities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing is thinking about like your morning routine and your afternoon routine for so, especially for people who work at home. How do they transition? Mm -hmm. Like from okay, now I'm in work mode. Now I'm in home mode. You know, like have a a toggle, some kind of like ritual or little thing yeah. you do to like okay, now I'm turning my brain to personal time, right? Oh, and yeah. not work time. Super That's hard. hard. Super that is hard really do, hard. Yeah. Another thing is you might, um, again, make sure that uh, to help you with that, that you do activities that, that, you know, connect with family members or, you know, schedule fun things that you can do that can help you move into that mode and leave work behind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And another thing is what can you let go of? You know, like, what are you doing that you're like, oh, this is really adding too much to my plate. Like, mm -hmm, I can mm -hmm. I can reduce my burnout by letting go of X or Y. Oh, yeah. So, like, it, with the holidays, we had this talk about maybe some people are just like, maybe there's some traditions with the holidays or you're just going to let go of this year to give mm -hmm. yourself some me time. Oh, yeah. I think that's really important for everybody to do a little bit of analysis there right in self-reflection yeah. or maybe even with your 
team of people or whatever, wherever that might be, home or office, yeah, whatever, to kind of talk about uh, is everything that we're doing, all of the ways that we're spending the time that we have, um, is all of that the right expenditure, right? Should we, you know, should we be changing some of this to get, you know, more satisfaction out of um, the available time? Yes. Um, stepping back, thinking critically yeah. about the balance of what you're, yeah. you know. So it's hard. That's hard to do. It is I hard. That, I find that it's hard to do. It is hard. And it's also just because the inertia of life causes us to, you know, repeat our schedules in places where it's easy. Like, well, I could easily do it the same way last week, and then you get into, well, this is what yeah, I do. you get into a routine. I remember very clearly when I was a child, it wasn't just my family, but a lot of folks that I knew um, built their lives, adults really built their weekly schedule around what was on TV. Mm. You know, this is before VCRs. Before streaming and all yeah, that. Before yeah, before you could do a recording. Like, if you wanted to see it, you had to be there. Right. Right? And um, it's a little, little technical <laughs> investigation. Oh. Uh, but yeah, and so. Um, That's true, now that you but, say that. But people yeah. would end up doing the same thing for like a ye- like years, like like a decade. Because th- that was their thing. Like that was I the watched slot. 60 Minutes every Sunday, so that's what I'm going to be. And, and, and you know, it was, it was probably if somebody was just doing one time slot, that was right. probably um, kind of rare. I mean, I think a lot of people had multiple time slots when they were really organized toward the TV and getting toward it, you know, getting around a TV so they could absorb this. And I'm not saying necessarily that's bad, but I do think that for a lot of folks, they didn't see it that way. Like it wasn't, they didn't see it in the context of I have this this habit and this automatic scheduling, yeah. right? They saw it as, you well, know, that, a, a positive thing they chose every week. Yeah, like it was again part of their restorative enjoy time, right? Sure. It was. Sure. So. Um, well, let's. I want to talk about. We talked about resilience, burnout. Now I want to talk about seven types of rest. Another R. Another R. Seven yeah. R's. Yeah. Or no, they're not all starting with R. They're not all R. A lot of them okay. start with C. But anyway, okay. There's seven a types of rest. Seven types of rest. Right. And what I really, I want you to think about what you need more of. Okay. okay. Oh, so wow. the first one yeah. is creative rest. And what that means is sometimes when we use our brains to be innovative, to problem solve, to come up with ideas, to be brainstorming all the time, you know, we have to give our, you know, we have to give our brains an opportunity to rest from that. And mm-hmm. so some of the ways you do that is through art, through nature, through like, you know, it's almost like you're for me and I'll speak for myself because I have to do so much decision making and thinking through options and making decisions at work I really do enjoy either going in nature going to art museum watching a film reading something that replenishes that that's inspirational Mm. and that that Mm. that fills my creative self Mm. so it is possible to you know get you, you need to re kind of furbish that need give to give yourself some rest mm-hmm. yeah definitely rest. I, yeah I find that my creativity uh, is more useful when I've let it rest yeah, yeah. see yeah that's good 
Um, another one, and, uh, so that's one creative rest. Number two, physical rest. Oh, yeah. Now, this may seem obvious, but I want you to think about it both passive and active physical rest. So okay. passive means like napping, sleeping, resting your body, okay. right? Active physical rest means things like doing yoga, uh -huh. massage, you know, other ways that you are nurturing your body. Okay, sure. So are you good at doing the physical rest? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I do okay, um, I guess. I mean, a big thing that I incorporated just just recently ago, a couple of years ago, was the, the really embracing the idea that I should not skip sleep. Yeah, you talked about this before. Yeah. Like, when you tried to do that, it was a train wreck. Well, I mean, I can get it done once, not you know, not very often, you know, and, and I have to be really focused. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I find, I find that everything goes better. My, yeah, everything in my life is better if I just get... Enough, what's enough rest for you? Um, you know, it, it depends on the day. I mean, I can, I like six seven hours I don't really? often uh, you know and I don't often manage all of that but I mean you know I can I can That's do less it's, it's just a it's just a matter of unplugging and sleeping for a little while I can also break it up into several small naps if need be like I'm 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 pre I, I just I like I find it very helpful for myself if I will just unplug I'm a big fan of the power nap me too you know I'm with you so, yeah. I'm with you buddy on that um, so physical rest and also thinking of the active things like massage and yoga, which yeah, I also... I'm, I'm not really as good at that, but you're good at that. I'm good at that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm a, pretty I'm not good, good at that. that. I need to get better this, this year at that. Yeah, okay. Mental rest. So that means that we are, right, giving our brains a break, um, taking breaks from our mental activity. But also sometimes, and, and this is a really good strategy that I do some, but I need to do even more, which is... I find that when I'm trying to take a mental rest from something, oh. and if I still have like a little channel in my brain that's still kind of worrying and won't and won't kind of settle down, I keep a notepad and then just write it down as a way to save it for later so yeah. the worrying can stop. That helps a lot. That does help mm -hmm. a lot. So so that is a really good way. And 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 I th when I was doing this research about rest, one of the articles talked about how bad people are with actually resting because they'll leave work or they'll do work and then they'll go home and get on email or get in front of a screen and their sure. brain oh, yeah. is still having to work just in a different channel as opposed to saying you know I'm going to give my brain like a true rest I'm not so I find I find myself sometimes my body's like no I'm not going to sit down at that at that desk at home I just yeah all day right well, yeah and the like way, you yeah. got to listen to your body like. oh yeah yeah sometimes I have a physical response to the idea <laughs> of going and opening the email like that's the yeah. that's the because that's where the stuff is for work like I might get a lot of text messages yeah. that are work-related also yeah but those aren't nearly as stress-inducing as I mean usually there occasionally it's otherwise but usually it's just just the fact of sitting down opening the email and then seeing all the all the messages right. like pop you in. You probably have like a visceral reaction, I definitely right? do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So gross. you gotta, yeah, yeah. Pay attention yeah. to yourself. I gotta have that inbox down low. That's, I gotta keep the keep those numbers low. That's when you go take your power nap. So oh, yeah. but then but then all those emails just to the, it's like <laughs> they there. multiply. It's like they stay there. All oh. right. So all right. So we talked about creative rest, physical rest, mental rest. Another one is social rest. 
social and this can happen when you are maybe doing too much interaction too many people or people who drain you maybe maybe you're socializing or you're having to interact with people who drain you yeah so one stay away from those vampires yeah so one of the ways that i really like this idea for social rest is hang out with people and make plans where there is no you don't have to take care of them you don't have to monitor the situation you don't have to like you can just be sure you're just with yeah. someone yeah. and you're not having to put out all this effort yeah in the social interaction yeah. just being that's yeah, nice. that's a nice break that's nice and you know if you only have sort of or if you have maybe not only but if you have a lot of formal social engagements yeah. that that'll never happen yes so you have to get into these different social spaces where you kind of have informal rapport with people so that you can do what you're talking about because if the time and the manners and the dress code and the activities and, are circumscribed and the, the, the chit chat is effortful right <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you know what I mean Absolutely. you, you want to be where it's effortless you don't yeah. have to be making small talk or monitoring yeah. everything comes out of your mouth yeah those people are important yeah so <laughs> social rest is important yeah make sure you, you have that in there it's, and so you're not necessarily talking about just unplugging from all the stuff that's not what you're talking about you're talking about something that's like replenishing yes yeah, yeah. all all yeah. of these are about rest in these areas that actually are a form of self-care. Yeah. So, okay. so that's one thing they have in common. Another one is emotional rest. And so what I, this one was so intriguing. So what they said is, you know, when you are put on, you, you walk out that door and you put on your social face, sure. you put on your work face, you put sure. on your neighbor face, you put on your happy citizen face, right? And you're emotionally managing yourself all day and being appropriate and you're not shouting at the person you want to shout at because that's not you know or whatever you're you're regulating your emotions all day sure a rest is when you come home or you have that person that you can call up or get on zoom or whatever or email and you can just be unvarnished Mm. like you can be your honest true self you can someone can come home and someone says how was your day and it's that person that you can actually tell them how your day was you don't have to like say all the niceties or you know make it and so i thought that was so interesting emotional rest this idea that it's you know like you're you're on emotionally and then sometimes you just want to be whatever you're feeling you want to be able to be in a situation where you can be authentic but there are also some other strategies right like maybe you don't need other people like maybe some people would want to journal or make a video blog or whatever the kids are calling those I don't know yeah vlog vlog indeed okay yeah you might want to come home and like put on music and like dance crazy you know like get out all your feelings count as emotional rest well it might count as like uh expressive dance yeah maybe that could count maybe maybe yeah yeah so but I I really liked that like tuning into like you know being your unvarnished self yeah yeah with somebody um okay another one is sensory rest sensory rest. so you're if you feel like again your day is full of notifications and background noise and people chattering and uh, ambient music and like there's all you're just bombarded with sensory sensory taking a break and having silence silencing Mm. your phone silencing the you know really just absorbing the silence giving yourself a break i am notorious for just putting on npr or music or like or podcast or something for like background noise i'm really notorious for that and sometimes my husband will be like 
are you really listening to this? And I'll be like, <laughs> sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not. But I find that sometimes I'm using it as sort of like a, it's just, I don't know, it's just there. It's just this like like a security blanket. It's just some just some noise there or some some chatter or conversation. But when maybe really what I need is a break hmm. and there's some silence. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes so, it's hard to know. Yeah, but I'm taking all of these. There's one more, but I'm taking all of these seriously during my sabbatical. Okay. And I'm practicing all okay. of these. Okay. All right. Well, we look forward to your reports from the field really? during your sabbatical. I yeah. haven't t- said the last one. Well, what? It, 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 okay. Creative rest. We look forward to it, too. Physical rest, uh-huh. mental rest, social rest, emotional rest, sensory rest. Last one, spiritual rest. Is there an acronym we can maybe? Did <laughs> you build an acrostic? C P M S E. Ooh, that's gonna be tough. We'll have to work on it. I'll okay. try. All right. Spiritual rest. Spiritual so rest. So this is if yeah. you are feeling a lack of connection, meaning, purpose, um, and you are just you know maybe again feeling a little hollow inside. Um, some of the ways that you could. Um, get some rest or replenishment spiritually is if maybe if you're someone who has a worship a place where you worship maybe that's the thing you could do sure. you could also meditation sure community service is another way that people you know fill up that empty mm-hmm. thing when they're feeling a little so those are all ideas for spiritual rest you could just and suck it up you could but then I'm afraid then you get into burnout not necessarily. I mean, no. you could just accept that. There's that, no meaning. The humans won't be able to find meaning, no meaning in this area. Yeah, spoken that, like a true philosopher. Well, the world is absurd. I mean, the search for ra- you know we focus on the rational, we ignore the irrational yeah. around us, as if the rational is the norm. But really, to find rational meaning is um, is always going to be a disappointer. So, yeah, maybe we should just recognize that we have a drive. For meaning, we strive for meaning. It's just not available to us. The truth of that isn't available to us. And if we can become comfortable with that, then there's nothing really spiritual to worry about, wow. one way or the other. You just kind of, you kind of go, well, yeah, okay, it is what it is. <laughs> so, how do you give meaning to your choices in the world? Try to make the world a better place. Oh, I mean, I think you can have personal ethics. You know, outside of a spiritual context, it's yes, like you can. it's like saying the only reason that I do X, Y, or Z, or I'm any kind of a person, is because of those rules that I've been told. No, I'm just right? asking you personally. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, community community matters to me. I mean, I've done a lot of thinking about this. I mean, and I, I, you know, I matter to me too, and everything, of course. But I've done a lot of thinking about the the balance there, you know, between myself and the importance of those um, around me in my social situations and settings, and of course the people who are, you know, relatively closer to me as opposed to, you know, farther away and thinking about the usefulness of being supportive versus being um, sort of uh, dissembling, Um, and I, you know, I think I, I prefer, since I believe that I can choose, um, I think I prefer to live in a more constructive, um, you know, socially uh, cooperative space, knowing, of course, that other people aren't necessarily going to 
take that view, but I'm, you know, I'm prepared for that. That doesn't necessarily dissuade me because I have reasons for um, for taking that view. And of course, you know, we're all gonna die, and at some point the sun is wow. gonna like you know stop shining literally. I mean, it's a long time from now, but nobody's gonna remember any of the stuff that we do. Not like the idea of some kind of longevity or wow. perpetuity is, wow. I think, I think relatively show on this note. misplaced. <laughs> well, I mean, it is a show about, you know, critical thinking, and it's something for all of us to think about, right? Do we, do we think that the authoritative points of view are the points of view that we should be, um, you know, pinning our existential um, resources on or should it be something that's more based in our um, lived experience I mean or, or something some combination I mean I think I think everybody should be the thought so. Wow and if people want to take one of your classes in philosophy <laughs> to talk more about this sure. what could they do they could register at the University of Louisville or Indiana University Center. okay they could they could sure okay yeah come take a class and you'll talk about more of this stuff I mean, I would talk about it over coffee. You know, <laughs> hit us up at Critical Thinking for Everyone. And well, by the way, you have been listening to Critical Thinking for Everyone on 106.5 FM WFNP Forward Radio, Louisville, Kentucky. And you can check out lots, lots more at forwardradio.org. And find us on SoundCloud. Well, we hope everyone has a new year full of all seven types of rest. You need it. And... Practices some resilience. Yeah, resilience, the ability to withstand shocks. And those shocks can come from a lot of different areas, including the, the seven areas that, that Patty was just sharing with us. So um, think about ways that you're ready for shocks. Um, you know, if you're not resilient, once you get that shock, um, your system will lose functioning. This could happen with your toaster. Uh, it could happen with your commute to work. It could happen with your relationships with loved ones. It could happen uh, with the floor in your building. I mean, lots of things, um, you know, can't have shocks that need to be bounced back from, right? So um, just think about it, right? Where are you resilient? It's another great self-reflective activity. Nice. <laughs> and nice. And, and in case you're like Patty wondering, what is he doing? Also for everyone. Even you. <laughs> Happy New Year.